DK from Almost Inevitable Design, and this is a $2.4 million podcast where we talk about web design, web development, and WordPress. Just a heads up, I might be using a bit of profanity at times, uh, actually quite a bit sometimes, <laughs> depends depends on the topic, uh, which is why I clicked on the explicit tag, so you should see that gray E box right next to the title. All right, so let's get into this, episode 004, Anything Goes. Now, um, this title, Anything Goes, is titled after Guns N' Roses, uh, Anything Goes. It is off of their Dis- Appetite for Destruction album, and it's a pretty good song. So, um, let's get into this. Now, this is about pricing, all right? So, now we're, we're going to talk about pricing. Now, we can, we can talk about pricing a lot, and maybe in the future, um, if I get somebody in for an interview, we might talk about pricing as well, because... There are a lot of different perspectives, opinions, and methods, and approaches to pricing a design project. Um, I do have, well, there are a lot of, let's see, um, what's a good way of saying it? A lot of way of, a lot of references that people might uh, look into, or a lot of uh, advice, guidance from other designers and stuff, you know, like all over the web. There are lots and lots and lots and lots of resources about how you should approach this. And this podcast, this episode is just another one of those. Now, I'm going to, of course, because I'm talking, I'm just going to try to approach the way that I think these things should be uh, handled. It's not, it's not 100% correct, no, but nothing is, nobody is. Oh, you know what? Wait, before we get into this, there's this one, this fucking asshole. I was talking, I was arguing with this fucking dickhead and on the internet, because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of dickheads on the internet. Anyways, I was arguing with this guy and um, it was about child themes and just, just so you know, um, ch- you, you need a child theme. If you're using WordPress, you will definitely need a child theme. We can talk about that later, but you need a child theme. So we're talking about child themes, and he said you don't need it. I can talk about this for hours, maybe not hours, but for quite a while, but you do need it, even though some people say you don't. Um, but I, I, so I said, well, I have a lot of opinions on this. I have a lot of arguments on this, and I gave him the link, right? Uh, on my website and because I have a whole whole blog post a really long blog post about why you definitely need a child theme and this guy said well that's just your opinion well yeah of course no shit fucker it always is my opinion there it's always someone's opinion whether you should use a child theme or not go to some other fucking website no matter what kind of authority it has it's always someone's fucking opinion yeah, I can have my own opinion, and my opinion is way better than your opinion because your opinion is wrong because you don't know what you're talking about. No, I'm not kidding. He fucking didn't know what he was talking about, and he was just delusional as shit. And I've been dealing with some of those kind of people recently, and I fucking hate those assholes. Anyways, not no, I'm not. I'm, I mean, not just the people who say child themes. You don't need child themes or need child. Not not that argument. I'm talking about delusional assholes who are general dickheads overall. Anyways, so let's get into the pricing thing. Now, like I said, these are all opinions and everybody has had different experiences in the past, different anecdotes that they can come up with, uh, and it's all it's all different. We all know that, right? So this is just um, a way that I approach it. If it helps you make up your mind, that's great. Um, if you think I'm talking bullshit, just let me know and we can discuss it. But I'll try to make my opinions clear enough to, to, you know, make it sound coherent. And of course, we can talk about this again in the future. This is probably like, I can pro- talk about this every dozen episodes, you know? This is, this is, this topic is worth talking a lot, I guess, because everybody is wondering about that. And when everybody, when, whenever anyone starts uh, working in this field, this is one of the first things that they... Uh, are worried about. Now, I think I might have either a cold or allergies. I usually don't have allergies, but then I remember that I have like 
a very bad cold once or twice a year and I never could connect it with allergies but I don't know there's a there's a couple of forest fires in the area well not close near where I live but you know it's around and I think there's a lot of dust in the air and a lot of smoke and all that so it might be that I don't know but anyways if if I sound a little uh, clogged up or sniffly then I'm sorry I apologize I would have like to be better nasally but <laughs> nasally but um, that's that's just how it is at the moment all right so pricing um, there's a lot so a, a couple of different approaches that I see quite often uh, would be value-based pricing hourly rate hourly pricing I don't know rate hourly rated pricing and project-based pricing those three are what I've seen the most often mentioned when we talk about pricing. Now, of course, of course, uh, value-based pricing, uh, I'll explain what they are just, uh, really simply. So value-based pricing is um, assessing how much of a value you are delivering to the client in terms of final product and how much value that would mean to the client. For example, for example, if you are redesigning, and this is an example that um, my friend uh, Aaron was talking about, and I might actually have him on the podcast one day, but um, if you are designing a new logo or new, not a new logo for, but I guess because it's too large, but uh, maybe like a new offshoot brand for Nike, for example, their marketing budget is huge. Their new brand is going to be huge. So how do you price that? Do you price that as in like, oh, I got an idea. Maybe it'll take me uh, uh, 20 hours for this. So I'm going to charge you for those 20 hours. And yeah, right. Is that is that a good approach? Maybe. Most likely not. Why? Because the thing about value-based pricing, all right, I think, the important thing about value-based pricing and why, if you want to do value-based pricing, why you have to think about this is, not why, but you have to think about this if you're doing value-based pricing is, um, you have to think about how um, responsible you have to be for the product, for the final product. Um, if you are maybe, let's say for example, designing a logo for new Jordans, I don't know, I don't know, um, who, I think a lot of basketball guys have their own basketball shoes, right? Yeah, I don't know. But let's say there's a new shoe, new line of shoes for someone, and they, Nike approached you to make their uh, logo and their website, their whole brand, all right? Now, regardless of whether Nike would approach uh, someone for that or whether they would use their in-house uh, uh, designers for that or whatever regardless of that let's just say like f hypothetically a company as large as Nike is starting a new uh, sub-brand and they need to be quoted on right so of course this is probably going to be worldwide it's gonna go that logo is gonna go on millions of printed materials, billboards, screens, everything, clothes, everything, right? And also, that logo is gonna be part of their new ad campaign and everything. So, you cannot fuck this up. This is so important. So, you need to be paid to be responsible for that. Well, does that make sense? See, like they are paying you enough for you to be responsible for that, all right? For example, let's say they pay you, now whatever the number is, that's not important, I'm just gonna go with hypothetical number, easy number, they pay you a million dollars. No, you know what, let's go with this. They pay you 2.4 million dollars for that new logo. And you mess it up, as in, the logo is illeg illegible. Uh, it's it's you can't see it. It, it. it maybe it offends a certain culture. Whatever it is, it's just fucked up. It's messed up. 
then you can take the responsibility because you have to take the responsibility because you've been paid enough to oversee all of that and actually guarantee that that kind of shit won't happen. All right? I think that's the most important part in approaching value-based pricing. You have to be responsible for it. That's why the companies will actually pay you that much. Now, here's one thing that is fucking funny. I've seen a lot of people, really small local web developers or graphic designers. I'm not saying that small local is bad. I'm just saying that they say that they're doing value-based pricing. And what happens is they talk to a small local company, like a, maybe a smart startup in the local business, right? And they say, oh, how much do you see yourself making in five years because of this brand? Like, no shit, what the fuck? No, that's not how you, pro what? You can't do that for like small startups. What the fuck? You can, you're, that's, you're just like saying, you know what? You're gonna make a million dollars next year because of my logo. No, you're not. I hope, well, maybe not. I hope you do, but you know. So it's, it's, it's a nice way of inflating your, uh, your, your proposal. I see it that way. Like the, the companies, the design firms and agencies that can dictate full-on value-based pricing for large budgets and deliver the level of whatever is has been paid that's how value-based pricing works and i think that's right um, but for companies that are not like that i think that's just stupid it's just aggrandizing yourself just making yourself you know just sound larger than you are and it's just it's just sounds so stupid stupid to me, you know? Like, if you have a really good argument for that, sure, but really, like, I, I, I've even seen some people say, I want to see their financials. Like, what? What the fuck? Get the fuck out of my office. You're not, you're not seeing my financials and telling me you're going to take a fifth of what I'm going to make because of the stupid website you're going to make? No! No, and, and you know what? Most of the people that I see saying that shit, I'm not... I don't know, it could be you, it might not be you, so don't get offended. A lot of people that I've seen say that fucking have shitty websites. A lot of, I've seen some people who are uh, just salesmen who sell a product really well, can talk their way out of anything, talk their way into anything. They're really good at what they do, which is account management. It's sales. But... I don't think the product that they deliver, if they do it personally, is as good as how as how they portray themselves. So it's 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 a very tricky approach, and I think most agencies, unless you're at a level where this makes sense, and unless the companies you're dealing with make sense to do this, I don't think this is a good approach. A lot of people say that. I've seen a lot of people say that, and I've seen people stick to it. I think it's fucking stupid and it's very scammy and they're just, you know, just talking shit just to make more money and I think that's unethical. All right, so hourly rates. Hourly rates. Now, hourly rates are pretty simple. You make some money, you make a certain amount of money per hour and if you work that amount of hours, you're going to make that money. Now the thing with hourly rates, it's a little, uh, it's a little weird to talk about because it's a little strange to think about how hourly rates work. Let's say, for example, you can do something really well, and let's say, for example, it's the same thing, the same result. Let's say um, you're making a menu, uh, a mobile menu on a website, and some people will maybe use. Uh, a plugin and then add another plugin so it'll hook in with that plugin and then use another plugin and then put those two together and then try to duplicate content and then make another plugin and put like not just plugins but just a short code within a short code and then try to do this and then just a whole fuck fest of stupid shit that takes maybe 12 hours 
and they're so proud of those 12 hours, like, oh, I did it. When this person can put in some jQuery, some CSS, and actually knock that out in two hours. The person who did it in 12 hours, if you both have the same hourly rates, is gonna get paid more. So the person who can do it better is getting penalized just because that person can do it better. What? What the fuck? Right? Now, of course, yeah, you can change your rates, right? And you can say that, like, you know, like that, that cool thing, like, oh, why am I paying you that much? Oh, because it took me 10 years to learn how to do this in that time. Like, yeah, of course, right. Cool, sure, why not? Yeah, right. But hourly rates are a little, little weird. Um, so I don't think that's like the best way to approach uh, full-on web projects. Like a website, if they say, can you do this website? And then this, these, these people, some person just doesn't know what the fuck they're doing and then just wastes like weeks on it and then ends up with a piece of, piece of shit and then the client doesn't like it and they say, well, I want this change. And, this, and they say, well, that's going to charge you. You're going to have to pay more and all that because it took me so much time to do this. So you pay more and, and, I, and then the client pays more and then you just, you're just pulling them. So yeah, hourly rates is not always fair. I don't think it's always fair. I think it's great and when you do like little quick jobs like um, changing out some content or adding a page or whatever it is maybe um, or, or just like changing a menu item and then they're like can you do this I'm like yeah that'll cost you an hour and then they pay you an hour that's fine I think that's fine but I think full-on websites should be closer to project-based I'm not saying project-based I'm not saying that I don't like project-based pricing uh, but I'll, 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 I'll explain my approach later okay so anyways um project based is like what the thing that you see quite often on websites that are like a basic five page website costs this much for example right i've seen people do that a lot on their websites and then they say like an e-commerce website costs this much you know um project based pricing of course you're going to change the quote if depending on the brief but project-based pricing can cause problems for everyone as well. Because for example, let's say you have, you say on your website or in your contract somewhere, or maybe probably on your website, you advertise that you will be paid a certain amount of money uh, for let's say six pages. And then the client ends up with five pages because of the brief. You talk it over and then you decide on five pages. Then the client later on asks for something else and you say well that's beyond the scope of what we promised and then they say well i didn't finish this page you owe me a page you should do enough work for another page see that kind of shit happens right so and those clients can fuck off seriously but anyways that kind of shit happens a lot and it's really hard to argue that so um project-based pricing is not always the best it is something that you need to think about but what I tend to do now from now from this point on, of course everything has been my opinion, but this point on is how I approach it. Okay? I do a mixture of <laughs> this is gonna sound like a cop out, but I do a mixture of all three. Okay? <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. Alright. So um, I know how long a website is gonna take to make. I know how long it's gonna take. After I get a brief, I know how long it's going to take, what kind of work it needs to be, what kind of work needs to be done, um, what, you know, like how frustrating it's going to be for me, all that kind of stuff. I know how it's going to work. So a couple of things. One, for example, um, if it's, uh, I, get, I can do like a friend's rate. It's called a mate's rate over here in Australia. If you're a friend, maybe a little cheaper, like I can take off a little bit, depends, or if I have to deliver properly on really, really, on a really tight schedule and everything has to be like ship shape without any margin of error and all that kind of stuff, the rates might go up. That's me approaching value-based pricing. Depends on the level of responsibility and the level of proficiency and the level of care that goes into it and also of course depends on the company that is 
uh, paying for it. For example, if it's um, uh, uh, what is it like a volunteer? What what is it like? Uh, non-profit organization, then maybe I might cut off, take off 10%. I don't know, stuff like that. If it's a company that's sort of really demanding and they want me to operate at a similar level that they would like, then the hourly rates or the rates, overall rates might go up. And I've done both. I've done that. So that's a little bit, I get a little bit of fluctuation in how I approach a thing. That's me trying to do a little bit of value-based pricing. But I don't go all out and say like, oh, you're gonna make this much in this many years because of this and like, no, no, that's not gonna happen. I don't do that. And so, yeah. Anyways, um, next, hourly rates. The way that I work with my hourly rates because I, when I do my freelance work, my freelance work lacks, um, from the company's perspective, from the company's perspective, even though I have my own business number and all that, from the company's perspective, I'm just one person. So from their perspective, I look like I have a little less responsibility and little less reliability. Although I do keep my promises, always, from the company's perspective, sometimes it can be a little hard for them to um, pay like ridiculous amounts, especially when it's not a B2B business to business type of con uh, contract. Sometimes they are, they feel antsy about it. And I understand that. I've had people say that to me and I tell them, here's my business number. Um, you can pay with credit card. And then, you know, if there's any problems, you can check your credit card. You can, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, as opposed to like just bank transfer and just like me disappearing, you know? So there is that from a company's perspective. So of course, hourly rates would be a little less than what an agency would charge as one person. If you're, if you're just one person, you charge like as much as an agency would, good on you, but seriously, you don't even have overhead. Okay, that's the important thing. Like I don't even have overhead. Of course, I live at home, I pay, stuff for you know living costs and stuff but you know it's not like i have an office and then have to pay uh employees for that and then pay for their lives you know it's not it's not like that so um i can't afford to be a little cheaper than agencies so i i hourly rate wise i do that and of course later on uh project based now this is a very I think it's clever, but it's just <laughs> because what I what I what I found was that a lot of times a good middle point where uh, a lot of supply and demand meet is somewhere around between a monthly and a month and a half or two months, a month and a half salary of a regular office going worker. Whoa, that's weird. So this is this is like um, the Big Mac index, you know? Like you know how Big Macs have um, different pricing all over the world and that's actually, that actually reflects the country's uh, currency exchange rate or you know, that kind of stuff of the value. So yeah, so uh, what is it? I think something like, um, you know, like a, mid, a, a regular respectable, not, I, don't have to, I don't have to say respectable, I guess it doesn't really matter, but office worker, a little above median at least, a little above the average, maybe slightly above, above, way above, at least, you know, let's just hope that designers can get paid above average, right? So <laughs> it's not always true. Um, but if you're getting paid, let's say you see someone uh, an off, uh, it doesn't have to be an office worker, I guess, because people, you can have all kinds of different jobs to make a lot of different kinds of money. So like above average wage, like a monthly wage times 1.5 or at most two times the monthly wage of an average or slightly above average worker in that country. I think that's a good place to start. So you, and, and, and it turns out that if you take your hourly rates 
then multiply it by how much time it takes, it ends up somewhere around there. So I think that's a pretty good price to start with. And that's, it's, it's just taking all of that together and um, discussing what you're doing. And if you know a shortcut of some, of some way and they ask for cheaper prices or whatever, and you think you can actually do that, you can, you might, I might have, I might able, I might, oh man, this is hard. I might be able to cut down the price on some other stuff or throw in some free stuff there. I can charge them on some other stuff that I actually do that they really uh, needed and I can make my balance there, you know? So there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, play around with the quotes. I will be talking more about this because I'm now approaching half an hour just about pricing. We did go over the three types of pricing. Like I said, I do a mixture of all three, put them together in a proposal and it's very detailed. I'll go over this some other time in the future, but it's very. I have a very detailed proposal and um, most of the times I, I do quote quite a bit, but I don't get turned down a lot because it looks like I'm doing everything. Well, I am doing everything, but I break it down well enough that they understand um, that I'm doing all that work for a good rate. You know, so that's that's how I do it. Anyways, um, yeah. So let's we can talk about this more later on. If you have any opinions or if you have any questions, uh, just uh, if you want to discuss, leave a comment below. Come to almostinevitable.com and we can talk about it. All right, cool. So let's go to uh, news and articles after I wait for a couple of seconds. All right, welcome back. Let's go and check out some news and articles. Now this first one is actually a YouTube video. Now I'll leave the link to the YouTube video, but it is a very good YouTube video. The reason is because it is, uh, and I really think this is this uh, this channel is really cool. It's really good. Um, it's the channel is called Founder, and it it doesn't mean you found a girl. It means you know, yeah, <laughs> found her. No, it means um. You know, like uh, it's F O U N D and then an R with no E because apparently spelling things correctly is not cool. Anyways, um, this is a founder video from Founder Magazine on YouTube, and it's a video about this lady, Greta Van Reel, uh, talking about e commerce websites. Now, there are two videos that I really liked and one of them was that she talked about the five tips. Oh, I need to, oh, I need to check that. Oh, I forgot the five tips. Oh shit. I thought I wrote that down. Oh no. Wait. All right. I, you know what? I'm actually going to pause this recording just for a sec. You won't be able to tell because I'm going to pause it, but I'm going to go check those five tips and write it down and then recite them for you. Okay? Give me a second. Well, you won't be able to tell, but just give me a second. Okay, so I'm back. Like I said, you won't be able to hear it because you, you, didn't, you didn't feel any... Uh, wait, you, didn't, you didn't have to wait in, at all. So. <laughs> Anyways, so um, this lady is... Like, she built multi-million dollar uh, companies e-commerce and she talks about so there's two videos one is five things to know before you start an e-commerce business and the second video is she breaks down e-commerce websites and these two I think I they, they they've they've been uploaded recently one is in February this year and one is in July 30th 31st this year so they're very recent videos and um, the amount of efficiency, experience, and the master mastery of what she's saying in this video is like one of the best I've seen in a long time. So uh, the five things you need to know before you start an e-commerce business, and like I said, you need to watch the whole thing just to really, really love it and get it, but I'll just go through the bullet list. Uh, your problem, number one, your product is the solution to a problem. Yes! 
that's important. Yeah. Number two, your product needs to be viable for e-commerce. Yes. Also very important, right? Uh, you, number three, you need to be able to communicate how you are different. Differentiation is very important. Number four, and this is also something that is very important. I, get, I learned, well, I didn't, but anyways, your customer is not everyone. Number four, your customer is not everyone. You're not selling to the whole world. So there you go. Uh, number five, you can build an audience without having a product. It's Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. So build an audience. And these are, these points were just really good and she breaks them down really well. And then she actually, I think is the same lady. I'm pretty sure it's Greta Van Real. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the same lady. Yeah, that's it, the same same person. She looks different in the videos, but um, this this the newer one is that she goes and she looks at e-commerce websites and she gives a pretty good, pretty important critiques about some websites. And it is really good and you it's it's worth watching. All right, so it's it's really good. And one thing that you can take away from that is no fucking sliders. Fuck off sliders, no sliders. Stop using carousels and sliders. Stop that shit. No, no sliders, no carousels. Cuz the numbers, the numbers are there. The people have spoken. Nobody cares about fucking sliders. It's only the I don't know, whoever saying, stop, stop asking for sliders. Okay, so uh, go watch those two videos. They're really good, so it's worth checking out. Next, uh, let's see. This one is, it's not like recent, recent, but, well, it is, August 28th, yeah. But it, 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 it the, the, the content doesn't have to be recent because it's just a long article and it's from, uh, it's it's on it's a blog on medium it's from prototyper and it's about how XD is better than sketch now Adobe XD if you haven't heard about it uh, it's uh, well you should know about it but it's a prototyping software or like a layout software for digital and it's good to make uh, web proofs web design proofs uh, also app designing is done on XD and all that digital proofing is done a lot on XD that's the whole point and it came out as a competitor to sketch now sketch is also a very 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 good digital proofing uh, app uh, I have used sketch a little bit but I tend to like Adobe XD a little more I personally liked affinity publisher that's my app of choice because Affinity Publisher is really cool. It takes all, it takes the three Affinity apps, Publisher, Designer, and Photos and puts them into one which is Publisher and you can just go between them really easily and not swap between apps. It's just inside that app. So I keep that on at all times on my computer. Anyways, this guy on Prototyper um, is talking about how Sketch is becoming buggy, it's becoming very bulky and he is getting sick and tired of Sketch being a problem. And then he's very happy about XD. And the things that he's saying is that XD doesn't crash. That's true. I've, I haven't seen it crash. That's very true. Um, and it has things like auto-animate, which is really cool. You can actually prototype it. Things will click through. It's really good. And if you're good with Adobe, if you've played around with Adobe, XD is really easy to pick up. Of course, it does have a lot of um, really pro tools that might not be uh, easy to use in the beginning, but it's even even just doing the basic stuff is actually very easy. It's not. It's it doesn't have. You know what? You know how somebody say it says when when somebody says you have a very um, steep learning curve if you think about it steep learning curve means in the same amount of time the 
inclination is very high, right? The coefficient is high, so you have to go up a lot more in the same amount of time, which means it's actually worth doing because you gain more in the same amount of time, as long as you put in the effort. That's, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> Have you thought about that? Yeah. Anyways, so XD is really easy to get into, and then once you get into it, it has a lot of nice features. Although I am not a big fan, I'm, a, I'm an okay fan, I'm not a huge fan because of its uh, PDF export functions is not what I would like it to be. It doesn't have, it doesn't allow you to choose the quality of the images. So the images are huge when they come out because if you drop in the original images. So yeah, if anybody knows how to make those PDFs uh, lower in size, then I might use XD a little more. Otherwise, I just export it in PNG or JPEG. Uh, and yeah, but still, if you're making apps and stuff, it's really good. If you're making websites, things can click. You can actually have mouse rollovers if you wanted to. So it's really good. It's And this guy just gives us a lot of really good reasons and stuff. And it's worth it. Uh, of course, it's worth reading. And of course, Adobe, uh, and of course, XD is free. So there's that. Whereas Sketch is not free. All right. Next article. Now, this article is in TopTel. Toptel? 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 You say Toptel? I need to check out their YouTube video or whatever and they say, hey, this is Toptel or Toptel. I don't know. Because it should be Top Talent. So it sounds like Toptel, but it could be Toptel if you're just reading it as one word. I don't know. But two things. Uh, you can go sign up on Toptel and maybe freelance because that's what this website does. It's a freelance website. It finds, it gets people, you know, connected between clients and, and, and people, uh, freelancers. So that's good. You have to take a test or whatever, but yeah, that's that's what that does. Now, this article on TopTel, TopTel, I don't know how to say it. Uh, this article on this website, yeah, uh, is pretty cool because the title is, Are All Trends Worth It? The Top 5 Most Common UX Mistakes Web Designers Make. So, sounds intriguing, right? Yeah, this is pretty good. I really like this article. I, yeah, and you know, they're not wrong. I mean, and guess what's going to make a appearance? Anyways, so let's start. Um, number one, large fixed headers. Now, if you are using Divi, I've seen a lot of people want to make comprehensive headers. And Elegant Themes says it's going to come out soon, but, but, if you do get large fixed, if you get large headers, if you well, if you get the if you get the ability to edit anything in the header, a lot of people might make large, stupid fixed headers. Now, think about this: screens, computer screens, are nineteen twenty by ten eighty at best. The the average, like besides the people who are using 27 inch IMAX, everybody else is using 1920 by 1080 at the moment. Retina at best, 4K, but still it, it, the pixel count is 1920, right? So vertically, it's only 1080. And if you take out the pixels on, in the browser uh, address bar and the tabs, you're left with like 800 or something and 700 something and that's only that's even when you make the make the browser full screen a lot of people don't even do that so you don't have a lot of screen real estate at best you have like 750 pixels vertically that's it so if you make a header that's like 250 pixels high what the fuck you just took over th a third of the screen that is fucking stupid yeah so Oh yeah, and when you scroll, it should at least get smaller. Yeah, I understand that. But that's why here, number one, large fixed headers. You're gonna take up the whole screen. It's just a fucking stupid play. That is just not a good way of making headers. I've seen this quite a bit. It's wrong, okay? So yeah, read through the article. It'll tell you you're wrong if you do that. And I agree, I totally agree. 
because it takes up so much screen space. It's not smart. Also, another thing that they talk about here is um, uh, having a header, sticky nav header on mobile. Now, if you want to learn how to do that in Divi, huh, did I not have that tutorial? Do I know? Oh, I should make that tutorial. Yeah. Anyways, so um, yeah, fixed nav, fixed header on mobile or at least an, a fixed hamburger would help. Okay, cool. Next, um, number two, thin light fonts. All right, so of course text needs to be legible. If you use fonts that are, if you, if you use fonts that are like 300 weight or less, sometimes 300 is okay, but usually 400 and above is best. 400 is regular and above, that's good. Light, ultralight, hairline, though they're too light. It's, it's, it's not good on the screen because the screen has only a certain number of pixels. Yeah, it's, it's not a good idea. Another thing that you need to think about is text on dark colors, light text on dark colors, you need to go up a weight. Like if you're using 400 regularly, and then 400 regularly on a light background, and then you put that on a dark background, go up a notch. So 500 on a dark background. So it's you need some things like that. It's general rule of thumb. It's good to think about that. Um, on web, it's a little hard. So just stick with 400. That can work on web, but if, especially if it's on print, that's a good way to keep text legible. Um, so think about that, and just don't use really light fonts. Uh, if they're huge on a light background, it's really easy to see, maybe as a design choice, maybe, but a lot of times it's going to be hard to read. Okay? Next, um, low contrast text. If it's um, really light gray on white, too light, then it's a little hard to read. If it's light, uh, if it's... Um, uh, no, I mean light color as in bright, light colored text on white. It could be hard to read. And thin text on uh, image, it's hard to read. Also test, check your text contrast just so it'll be a little more accessible for everyone. So that's another thing you need to think about. Typography is very important. Everybody knows that, right? Okay. Number four, scroll jacking, scroll hijacking, scroll jacking. It is stupid. I hate websites who do that. They can fuck off. So scroll jacking is, let's say, for example, you're scrolling down. You want to go down. You have to fucking go down. But the website suddenly just, as you scroll down, the website is taking you to the right or to the left. Like You're like, what the fuck? And, and then sometimes you scroll, scroll, scroll to do too much parallax and make trying to make it really cool. You scroll, 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 and then it stops and then you zoom in and then you scroll again and then it stops and then you zoom that way and you go that way. It's like, fuck off, man. Come on. I want to go where I want to go. Don't try to hijack that. Stop that. All right. Another, another thing that happens with scroll jacking is um, full page scrolls, like one page flips and then aligns to the next page and just it's like cards when you're going through the uh, pages. That is a little bit of a scroll jacking. It's annoying for me. Uh, might not be for some people, and a lot. Some people do think it's cool, so we'll see. Number five. Guess what? Carousels. Yeah, carousels. Uh, there's a link to a study, a very famous study, according to the Nielsen Norman Group. Nobody cares about carousels. Fuck off. So no carousels. No carousels. They do not provide value. And I think. It's just ridiculous. The only actual case that I've seen for uh, sliders and carousels that actually do work um, are when you have maybe just images slowly fading in and out where it just takes the place of a video. So instead of having, having a video, you might just use that to give it just a little bit of um, dynamic uh, hero section, but besides that, I really haven't seen. And you know, like having, like 
this product with this call to action on this first slide and then another slide has a another call to action and then it's just stupid none of that shit works nobody cares might as well have a static hero section maybe some other cool element that provides some animation but not moving the whole fucking thing to the side just so you can have a carousel and just cram in as much info as you can in one spot and none of it works you know so anyways it's pretty stupid but a lot of people like using that so let's not alright so that article just totally explains that it's a stupid idea alright um, I don't have many um, uh, well anyways let's go to the next let's go to the next uh, part of this podcast which is resources Hopefully you're back. Still sticking around? Okay, so this first one is, this first resource is really interesting, I think. It's, it's this guy, I can't pronounce his name, uh, Gajusquizinas. I really can't pronounce his name. It might not even be that. I might be saying it totally wrong. But anyways, this is on a website called dev.to. And it is about this guy's got juice. I don't know how to read it. <laughs> Someone's got to tell me how to read it. Uh, this guy's um, CSS hack. Now, it's good for, um, let's see, it's good for debugging. And what it does is there's a, a few lines of CSS that you can copy paste into, let's say if you're using Divi, theme options, CSS on the bottom, and then just drop that in there. And what you can do is you can actually see how everything looks, how all the boxes, where all the boxes are, how they all look. And you can actually see the depth of how many boxes are stacked on top of each other. So it's a really good hack that you can use. For example, I've seen people ask, why does my site jiggle from side to side? And that is because uh, some content is being pushed to this to the side horizontally outside of what, what it should be. And it's not, that part has not been taken care of. Either size-wise or an overflow hidden, whatever it is, it's not been taken care of. So the site may feel a little jiggly. And this kind of stuff can help you uh, uh, debug that stuff. So it's a really good hack. Check it out. And uh, there's a lot of other uh, people who have added their own input and their own little takes on that. So it's worth checking out. And and you'll see what I, you'll see what I mean when you go to the link. And it's really cool. So check that out. And next, now these two, the next two are actually also from TopTel, Top TopTel, TopTel. <laughs> I just gotta learn how to say that shit. Uh, TopTel or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these two are, one is how to structure an effective typo typographic hierarchy. It's very helpful. It's pretty, it's written well, and it's very helpful in, in understanding uh, really simple things about type. And even just sticking to this, this, these two tutorials. Now this is, one is the type, typographic hierarchy, the other link that I have for you is also on TopTel. It's written by the same person, Cameron Chapman. And um, the mini tutorial is a guide to font combinations. Now, if you have some trepidations in choosing fonts, maybe you're not sure, maybe, you know, if there are a lot of, if there are things that you might, maybe you want to brush up on your typography, then just read through this and even even if you're not experienced just sticking to that is at least safer than going all out and just trying to come up with your own artistic answer and then just you know just throwing in 12 fonts for a title or and trying to make it look like a ransom note or whatever all right so it's just it's just a good read go through all that and it will it will explain and go through all the 
sizes that you can use, like the, the hierarchy of sizes, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 16, 18, 21, 24, 30, 36, 48, 60, 72. If you don't know those numbers, those numbers are really good because those are like the regular sizes that you see in most print design because you can tell uh, those sizes are easy to, to manage and you can tell the difference between those sizes easily. So yeah, there's a lot of things here that you can pick up that will either help or give you, or at least set you on the right path in, in whatever you, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's really worth checking out those two links. One is about font combinations, whether you use how to, what kind of weights you want to match with the other guy, uh, the style, the contrast, how, how to get enough contrast between the weights and the style of the font. So there's a lot of cool stuff that you can read. I really enjoyed it, so check it out. And and I think that's it. So, oh, there we go. Another 50 minutes of me talking and rambling. So anyways, in this, ooh, you heard that chair squeak, squeak. Oh, there you go. So in this podcast, we talked about pricing, how value-based pricing and uh, hourly rated pricing and project-based pricing, how they're all different, how I approach it, which is a mixture of all three. It just doesn't, anyways. Uh, so there's a lot of things that we can talk about concerning pricing. If you want to talk more about it, just let me know and I'll maybe uh, cover it again in some episode or maybe we can uh, discuss it on the episode in audio or we can discuss it in text. It's up to you, it doesn't really matter. Um, so that kind of stuff is always fun to talk about, always fun to hear other people's ideas and approaches to it. And also, there's a couple of uh, very cool news articles about e-commerce, videos about e-commerce, and um, Adobe XD, check it out, and some really nice UX user interface mistakes that you can think about when you're making your new websites. And also some CSS hack and some type typography uh, tips for you. So come to almostinevitable.com, check out the stuff that I have, check out the courses, check out the tutorials, check out the links that I've uploaded, and also I will put Guns N' Roses, Anything Goes in the title, uh, in the video, in the post, and you can come check that out. All right. Okay. So I will maybe see you in the next episode. All right. So take care. Bye-bye. <music>